This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Today, I've got an incredible guest on the show, somebody that I know personally. I've spent time with him at the New Media Summit and have been on his show as well, Smashing the Plateau. David Schreiner-Khan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Michael. It's great to be here. Great to have you here. Uh, On the pre-show, we were talking about something that you had mentioned at the New Media Summit that we just recently attended uh, down in Tampa. And it was something that really resonated with me. And it's, it's talking about the you know, 50-something individual um, that's been working uh, for you know, a couple decades, uh, have done really well in their career, and then all of a sudden they find themselves being let go by an organization because that organization wants to go in the quote-unquote different direction. So let's talk about that today and, and your experiences and some of the awesome work you're doing to help those people navigate around that and and discover you know the next journey uh for for the chapter in what we like to call life so yeah. tell us tell us a little bit about that uh, sure so um i first um actually was aware of what could happen to somebody particularly sort of mid-career i think 50s is a very common age when it happens um this was early in my career i was in my 20s um, and i was an engineer and i saw that um, people and in those days it was mostly men who were um, often just shy of being vested in their pension plans because in those days this was before they were 401ks and IRAs in the US and the expectation was especially if you were a professional like an engineer like I was that you'd go to work for some big corporation you'd work for them for I don't know 30 plus years um, sometimes a little longer, and then you would retire and they would give you a pension. Um, and, and combined, everything would, would um, provide for your financial needs to support your lifestyle for you and your family um, for, for the, you know, the rest of, your, rest of your life, your working life and beyond. And then what was starting to happen in the 1980s was um, there were some major changes going on in the corporate world and uh, there were leveraged buyouts. And um, as part of the deal, very often, the more senior people were let go as a cost savings me- measure. Um, and it was very challenging for them to find work. Um, fast forward, um, I ended up making a shift in my career and I went from engineering to work in the nonprofit sector. And then when I was um, at around the same age, probably, I'm just thinking I was, um, I'd been working for close to 30 years at that point. And, um, and I decided I wanted to start my own business. Um, and for me, it was, uh, it was a conscious choice that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, and, I, and what I've observed since I started my business 13 years ago is that there are many people, and I suspect more and more today, um, especially in the, um, in the U.S., um, and, and I, it may be happening in other parts of the world as well, I know you're in Canada, um, but what I see is that there are people who's, uh, who've had a, a great career for 
20, often 30 years or more, and suddenly they're let go. And it's devastating for a host of reasons. One is that they, although they may have um, built up some nest egg, it's probably not enough to carry them for the rest of their lives if they are in good health and they're lucky to live another 20, 30 years. And um, so financially, it can be pretty scary. Uh, for some people, they may have less of a nest egg and it's even more scary because they need to be able to replace that income fairly quickly. Um, the second thing is, our, uh, frankly, our ego is really tied to our work. Um, in, in um, especially in the culture of professional workers. And so not to have that identity of, yes, I'm, I'm going to work to do this job that I'm good at and that I love, and that provides great solutions for the people that I serve, um, suddenly I have a lot of time on my hands and my ego is, is not tied to anything. Um, and it can be quite devastating from an emotional perspective. So, so what do you do? It's, it's a real dilemma. Yeah, I found that, you know, to be my situation too, you know, when I transitioned from, you know, the corporate world to the not-for-profit world and, you know, back in my 369 days, you know, was let go. And that was a pretty, you know, traumatic experience in itself. But yeah, I, I agree with you. So many people tie their work to their identity. And I think that's a huge, huge mistake that uh, many of us have made. And thankfully, you know, for, for some of us, you know, we, we've realized that no, we are not our jobs. We are who we are. You know, our skill set helps us be successful at what we do. But at the end of the day, it's not who we, who we identify. And I, and I know firsthand, you know, the pensions side of things, because my dad worked for General Motors and, you know, he took an early retirement um, slash buyout um, and he had a pension, um, which was supposed to take care of everything from his healthcare, drug coverage, uh, retirement, everything. And then, of course, when the 2008 hit and the governments had to bail out General Motors because they were a heartbeat away from no longer existing, GM ended up selling off um, the pensions to a third party organization. And over time, you know, that pension and the health insurance and the drug coverage that my dad was used to um, no longer exists. And in, in his situation, you know, he's a retiree. So it's not exactly where he's going to be able and, you know, pick up and go, you know, grab, you know, a, a job that would, would cover, you know, what those costs are easily. Um, you know, yes, there's some things that are available, but usually when, when you get north of 50 and 60 and 70, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities for full-time work per se, and especially full-time work with uh, benefits coverage. So uh, it, it's a huge, huge challenge for, for many, many people. And uh, the ego thing, again, I think is a big thing when, when you're used to things and you have your heart and your mind set and you think, okay, I'm going to work here for 25 years. I'm going to retire gold watch, all of that. And all of a sudden that gets taken from you um, because of a variety of different reasons. It, it definitely is a shock to the system and uh, emotionally it can you know really wreak havoc because this is something that a recruiter told me years ago. You know, it basically when you're looking for a new role 
uh, if depending on how the economic situation is in the area and jobs and all of that is for every $10,000 you make, that's one month that's going to take you to find a new job. So if you're making 100000 a year, it's going to take you on average 10 months to find a new job. And, and going back to what you said before, if you are in a situation where your financial nest egg is either non-existent or not what it could be, um, you could run into some significant financial difficulties in a very short period of time. Uh, so that's, again, um, it's one of the things that I, we see all the time and, and many, many people are facing. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the first piece of advice I would offer to somebody in that situation um, is not to hide. Because um, particularly when your ego is, is tied to your work, often the inclination is um, there's a lot of embarrassment and shame about, about being out of work. And the reality is what I've seen most of the time is that the person who's out of work is not out of work because of something that that person did wrong. Generally, it's the market conditions have changed. Um, the, the circumstances internally in the company have changed. It's very commonly, especially for somebody who's, who's either mid-career or pretty senior, um, you know, the person has, has worked in a place for a long time and has done well. So it's not that, that, that they can't perform well or that they don't have a lot of knowledge and expertise. It's usually there's some other factors yet. Uh, again, going back to the ego thing, we very often um, blame ourselves. They, we think about, you know, what could I have done differently? And there's, there's a lot of shame involved. And so one inclination is to just hide and not talk about it to other people, which is not going to help you. Yeah, it's important to let people know that, one, you're no longer with that organization. Reach out to your network, and everyone has one. You know, some people say they don't, but they do. Um, there's people that they know in the industry that they're in or other industries, and, and simply say that you're, you know, no longer with the organization and you're looking for other opportunities, whatever that may be. And one of the recommendations I have for people, too, is, don't necessarily jump right back into things. And now, you know, if your financial situation is such where you have to, then, then so be it. But if you, if you do have a little bit of elbow room, take a moment and reflect on things that you would like to do that you haven't had the opportunity to do in the past. Uh, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. A lot of times, no matter why you're no longer with an organization, that self-doubt uh, kicks in pretty firm and you can run into anxiety or depression or a combination thereof and can be, uh, can be pretty detrimental to you. So if, if you're experiencing those things, you know, seek, seek medical attention on that. Talk with your doctor about it and talk with some people about it. Don't, don't hide because, again, as you hide, that's when you know, a lot of those thoughts and things start kicking in and um, load up on vitamin D. Hopefully you can get it the natural way with sunshine, but if you're in a northern climate like me, um, that can be rare uh, certain times of the year. So get, you know, make sure you, you take care of yourself, um, both uh, physically, spiritually, and mentally as you're navigating through these new, new challenges and new opportunities. And that's the key is look at it this as an opportunity because, again, you have a vast skill set that can benefit 
a lot of people. And you just need to figure out what that skill set is that you want to share and, and then find those people that you can help. And, and I know, David, you, you work with a lot of people on that to help them guide them to you know, what their, their niche is and, and where they can really take things forward. Right. And, and Michael, there are some basic steps that you need to take when, when you're in this situation, um, taking a step back and doing some reflection and some, uh, some self-analysis is really important. It's um, uh, one of the things you need to look at is what is it that you really love doing the most and what are you most competent at doing? And frankly, um, although self-reflection is great, it's actually hard to be objective about this and do it on your own. It, you will get much better results if you do this with somebody to guide you or um, also works really well when you are in a group because the other people in the group, especially those people who are your peers, will help you identify the areas that are your greatest strengths and they will um, give you some feedback when you may be going in a direction that might not be so fruitful. That's crucial. Yeah, talking with a group of peers that know you and they can call you out on your BS because you can say, you know what, I'm really passionate about this and I'm really good at this. And your peers that know you will say, no, you're not. Um, here's 15 reasons why, while you're passionate about that, that's not your strong suit. Your strong suit is actually X, Y, Z. And oftentimes we don't look at that and we go, do I like doing that? Yeah. It's just sometimes when we're doing the self-reflection, we're not, we're not giving ourselves the full picture. We're being very selective in what we look at. And, and sometimes that, and not, not because we're trying to hide things from ourselves, but oftentimes we're just, you know, looking at, okay, what's, what about this? This could be something I could do. And, and again, monetary um, things come into the picture as well. So, okay, can I monetize that more than this one? Maybe, but again, if you're really good at something and okay, yes, you may not be able to monetize it as much as something else. Over time, you may end up monetizing a whole lot more because you're really, really good at that. And you can be you know, viewed as you know, one of the top providers of whatever that product or service is that you create. Exactly. I, I actually, two examples come to my mind of, um, of people we've worked with where the feedback from peers um, has been really monumental for them. One is um, a business owner who thought they could, um, they, they needed to put off um, testing and implementing a new structure in their business um, for many years because it would take too much time, effort, and the the market might not be there to to um, to buy the services in this new structure. Um, is actually implementing a new structure right now as opposed to waiting and going through the efforts of developing, doing the market research and developing the market opportunity right now. So really accelerating a process that was sort of back, 
being backburnered. And another case, um, and I've seen this, this situation happen time and again, where, um, and this speaks to what you just said about taking a, an opportunity too soon. Um, someone who is a potential client that is um, interested in, in buying at too low a price, um, where the business owner is turning down that business, even though there isn't enough other business yet, uh, which is scary to do, and repositioning themselves at a much higher price point. And, and what I've seen when that has happened is the result is almost always that they get the higher price point with much better clients and the relationship tends to go better and it tends to be longer lasting. Yeah, I've seen that too time and time again where we, we have this thing or thinking that we, if we discount, you know, we go into kind of a Walmart mentality. Okay, let's discount this and then we'll get more people. We'll make it up in volume. Even in that situation, more often than not, you're still trading time for dollars. And that's not something that you really want to uh, want to do. And, you know, you, you touched on a point that I want to go back to real quick is, you know, organizations that back burner a new process or a new offering. Usually organizations, uh, typically the ones that aren't successful, um, will wait until there's trouble on the horizon before they try to launch something new to help right the ship. The strong organizations will actually launch new initiatives when things are going really good. They may have had their best quarter in history. It's like, okay, let's, you know, let's rip out the kitchen and we're going to redo how we cook things. And a lot of people go, why in the world would you do that? You just had the greatest month or quarter in your history. Why would you do that? It's like, because you want to continually evolve. You're looking for new things and, um, you know, test markets some things and, and figure out what's going to work out. Now it could go really well, or it could be like new Coke back in the eighties. It's like, you know, that was, um, you know, I worked at a grocery store when that came out and boy, the customers were complaining left and right about that. And then of course, Coca-Cola classic came out and all was right with the world again. Uh, you know, that's a good example where I was like, mm, you know, maybe that didn't work out, but at least if your organization is agile, you'll be able to, to shift around. And it goes the same uh, for individuals is, you know, be agile and be, be open to some opportunities that may not be 100% of a fit, but if it is in alignment with what you want to do and it helps you continue on your journey and your career of whatever you're working on, then, you know, be open to it because it's those opportunities that give you some new creativity, some new energy in, in, in your life. And uh, quite possibly you could really launch some, you know, fantastic things for you and your career. Yeah. And along those lines, Michael, um, one of the strategies that is really important for individuals that, um, that are going out on their own, because either they want to or because they need to, uh, once they have done the self-reflection self and they're pretty clear on what it is they most love to do and what they're most competent at doing is to identify whom they want to serve 
and make it as narrow as possible. And when you're testing the market for a new offering, test it on something as narrow as possible. And then go deep. As soon yeah. as you as soon as you get a sale, try to go deep in that in that narrow niche. Yeah, that's that's golden advice because you know, too often we're like, I'm gonna offer this coaching program, for example, and it's gonna help people with burnout, you know, something that I do. Okay. Yeah, I can just say here's here's burnout for everybody. That's not gonna work because Burnout for a C-suite executive is a lot different than burnout for a single parent or for a manager or for someone that uh, is front lines, like an ambulance driver or somebody that's in the military. The, burnout is, you know, symptoms are similar, but as far as what creates those issues and how to recover from them, the approach is different based on different people. And and for me, it's like, yeah, you narrow down to who that group is that you want to work with. You get the sale and then you just go deeper and I'm like, okay, who, who else in this particular niche uh, makes sense to go uh, with this product and what can I do to fine tune it even more and get, you know, fine point where, okay, you, you, you're dealing with a group that, you know, there may only be a thousand people on the planet that could do it. But if you get a decent percentage of that, that's not a bad thing because then you get really focused on that. And then of course you can look and see over time, okay, is there another market that I'd want to approach? But again, you know, don't, don't get too wide on it because otherwise you're just spinning your wheel and throwing a bunch of crap at the wall and hoping something sticks. Exactly. And one of the things you need to think about is, is the target market that I'm looking at um, able to pay what I'm worth? So looking at your example of burnout for a parent, if, um, if you, were, you could narrow that down and say burnout for a single parent, because being a single parent is so much harder than being a, par a parent, like a new parent when you have um, a couple like two parents in a household. Single parenting is really hard. Yet, um, unfortunately, single parents in, um, certainly in the US and Canada, single parents are, are usually women and they tend not to have a lot of disposable income. So they, they may not be able to pay you what you need in order to pay your bills. So as much as you might like to serve them and they could probably use your help, they might may not be the ideal first target market for you. You might be better off looking at um, double income parents who are new parents where they have moderate to high income and there is to pay for some help to do a better job of being less stressed and not burn themselves out as new parents. Yeah, that's spot on. Yeah, it's in a situation too where, you know, down the road, you can say, okay, as you know, monetization includes, and it can be whatever product or service you offer. So it's not just you know the one that I'm talking about, but you can say, okay, there's an audience that I'd like to serve, but they can't afford what I charge. Okay, then that's when you have your free products and offerings, your eBooks and all of that kind of stuff. You make that stuff available, then that way they can still access it, still learn some techniques that can help them out. They may never be a client of yours, but 
at least you're, you have something that's out there that can do it. But again, that, that's something you have to do over time because otherwise you end up being people pleasing. You're spending all your time creating free stuff. And um, I, as I like to say, a sales guy that I saw at a conference a couple months ago said, I can't feed my kid exposure. And you know, it's, it's true. It's, you know, you want to make sure that whatever you're, you're doing is something that you can monetize because if you're going out on your own, your boss is you and you want to get paid by your boss. So you have to do things that are going to be um, eligible for you to, to monetize and, and meet your needs, whatever they happen to be. Exactly. Exactly. So David, where can people find out more about you and what you're doing? And, uh, and, and obviously uh, I'll put in the show notes, you know, the link to your awesome show and everything else, but how can people get a hold of you? Uh, well, the best place to go is our uh, the site for our show, smashingtheplateau.com. And anyone who's interested can click on the button on our homepage, schedule 30 minutes to speak with me. Um, I'd be happy to answer any questions anyone has about how they can do a better job of uh, creating the kind of business that will support the lifestyle that they want, or if they have an existing business to really ramp it up so that they do a better job, they optimize their business, they increase their revenue, and they provide some consistency of revenue to support what they need. Well, that's awesome. And audience, I'll have all of that information in the show notes. So David, always good to talk with you. Great to connect with you and great to see you at the conference uh, not too long ago. Um, and Hope that everything's going well and the rest of 2019 is uh, amazing for you. Same, same for you, Michael. Thanks thank, so much. Thank you, David. Until next time, everybody, be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.